Welcome to Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment. We haven't spoken to you for a long time, Wayne, and I don't want to go back on what's gone on in the last three to four months, but it has been fairly dramatic. But in true JSE style, it's been fairly dramatic today as well, notably in the property sector, which is fascinating because a company called Viceroy came to the fore again, and this time people are believing them. Yeah, look, we got to we got to see what actually comes out from all of that because Viceroy was extremely right on Shoprite, but they haven't been all that right on other reports that they've done. So we'll have to sit and wait and actually see the outcome of it. But obviously, any report issued like that does have an effect. It does, but as you say, the. The integrity of Viceroy has been called into question, but this time it wasn't as just like it was with Capitec, where the share price came down and then bounced back fairly quickly. This time it looks as though the suspicions are fairly well entrenched. Yes, yes, definitely. And But I mean, unfortunately, you know, Sam Steinoff, these things take forever until you actually get down to what did happen and what the, the actual circumstances are. You know, so until that actually occurs, you, you you can't really make an evaluation of what the true factors were behind it. No, you can't. But I, I think that, uh, that the fact that people have had a look at it and another couple of people that I know yes. who are quite brainy have said, yes, we've suspected this all along, but we haven't been able to publish it. Whether they're just trying no. to hang on the coattails of Viceroy, I don't know. But it really does look like look, something quite unusual this time. Yeah, look, you'll, you'll find a couple of things. Um, first of all, on all of the comments and everything that comes up, believe me, everyone's a genius with hindsight. Eh? Yes, quite so, right. And lots and lots of people somehow think they gain credibility by jumping on the bandwagon post the fact. Right. So, you know, but that's, I suppose, markets and that's egos. But as with any investment, if you come back to investment principles, I think that can help you enormously. So let's just say the biggest single principle with a property company and life insurance companies, by the way, are very similar, is you get this thing called a net asset value or in a life insurance company, the actuarially calculated net present value, embedded value of a share. Now, coming back to property companies, when you work out that net asset value of the share, the underlying valuation of the companies, they take into account all present conditions for the various properties that they have. So they take into account the tenant schedule, the rental escalations, the expense escalations, where it is. And as you would well expect, companies don't necessarily put the worst set of variables into there. They probably put an optimistic set of variables into that calculation when they work out the net asset value. Now, if the company's share price is trading at a massive premium to that net asset value, you've got to sit back and say, why? Because what that actually means is, is that in order to justify the share price, the company going forward has got to do something radically different with their asset base because the asset base is valued on probably optimistic valuation criteria. And in theory, unless you think management can add magic, the share price should never be that different to the net asset value. You know, so unless you truly believe they are going to double the size of the asset base or they're going to sell half their properties and buy other magnificent properties 
that are just vastly superior to their current asset base, you have to be very concerned about a company that trades massively above net asset value. You know, 5 or 10% is nothing. But when it's 30% above net asset value, you've got to sit back and say, oh, hang on a second, something might be wrong here. Something doesn't add up. And I think that's what you've got to be cautious of. So you can take a live company, you take Liberty, MMI, Old Mutual, Sunlum. They all trade around net asset value. Okay, Sunlum's a little bit higher than net asset value, but not dramatically so. But then you take Discovery. Discovery trades significantly higher than their embedded value, their net asset value. So you, to buy a Discovery share, you've got to believe they can add magic from this level. In other words, magic that's not already in the... But there's obviously a huge there's obviously a huge difference between a giant company like Discovery with its with its provenance yes. and a company. I'm not being disparaging about the particular pack of it's not a pack of cards, but the collection of companies that have been under pressure today. I'm not being disparaging yeah. about them because I don't know enough. But on the other hand, if I had to pick two companies to short, one would be okay. Discovery or the other one Resilient or part of the Resilient Stable, I would definitely choose the latter rather than the former simply because yeah. of size and reputation. Is yeah. that correct? Now, look, that correct. And that premium justification, that premium might be justified, but understand it's an unknown. So whenever a company trades above net asset value, you essentially saying, I don't know what they're going to do. But it to be magical to justify the share price. Now, you can say Adrian and his team will produce some magic because they've done it in the past. So maybe that's justified. But you must understand inherently you are putting massive faith in the management of the company for some future activity that has not yet been identified in their asset base to justify the share price. Understood. Final question here. Never mind these companies. What do you think of the listed property sector, given the fact that the interest rate cycle has sort of maybe tentatively yes. turned to the upside? Maybe that was already in the market. Do you like property? Yes. At these valuation levels, they actually look reasonably well valued. Now, when you look at that, I mean, short-term interest rates are going up, but you probably find 80% of, of the property companies borrowing are long-term, and the long bond rate hasn't really moved much. And you more than likely find that 100% of those long-term borrowings are actually at fixed interest rates. I don't know any property company that goes into the market on variable interest rates. They fix those interest rates when they take the loan out. So the rising interest rates doesn't affect gearing. The rising interest rates obviously might negatively affect the underlying economy that they operate in. So that will be the big negative. It's not really a big negative on their interest cost for, for property companies in a rising interest rate environment, simply because the overwhelming majority of it is long-term and the overwhelming majority is already hedged out. So you, there's no real big interest rate threat in the property companies. And at, and at current yields, look, two years ago, the big property companies were trading at 7% yields. They're now trading at 9% yields, significantly better on investment opportunity. 
Okay, so we like the property sector in general. Uh, maybe steer clear of those ones that we've been speaking about for a while, let the dust settle, and let's see what uh, comes out of the report. And indeed, let's hear from the companies themselves because they've been notoriously yes. silent when other problems have arisen in the past. Let's move on to the day, though, Wayne. It's, uh, yesterday was a slightly down day, but the previous day was really good, and today's been really good as well, led by yes. Naspers. And Naspers Thank has you. got its results coming out probably around 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, I think it is. After a torrid yes. time, is it ready to bounce back? I would think so, yes. Look, it's certainly better to buy a nice pass at 2,800 rand a share and 4,100 rand a share. Yeah. But understand the big variable on nice pass is still what Donald Trump and China are going to get up to this weekend. Hmm. Now, we've had a bit of positive news, positive noise, you can call it, coming out that they will strike some sort of deal. But then the next day, there's some negative stories coming out that some deal won't be struck. But if China and the U.S. strike some sort of deal in South America this Friday or Saturday, or they make some sort of positive announcement that they are working towards a deal, NASPAS and emerging markets and the RAND are going to go up strongly. So that's really a view on what's going to transpire this weekend. NASPAS itself, obviously Tencent, They've had difficulty with the Chinese regulators in getting new games authorized. Yes. Now, that seems to have been a sticking point now for two or three months. And unfortunately, it's going to be a sticking point for the next two or three months because what's happening in China is, for whatever reason, the Chinese regulator is changing the way they work and the way they operate and what set of rules and criteria they apply in approving games. So. They're in limbo. They're not approving any games. They haven't been approving any games. And I don't think they will for a while till they sort out their internal structure, whatever you want to call it. So I think this will be a problem for a little while longer. Wayne, from what I understand, I saw when it first happened and when Naspers first got hit because of Tencent uh, being hit, is that perhaps there was a moratorium on new game licenses until you know until the new year or the uh, our new year, yes. around about mid-January to the end of January, something like that. But of course, they can review it then and say, no, we want to continue this, or yeah. we, you can you must slow down the pace of games. Yeah, look, we must still remember one thing. You know, living out here in South Africa. You know, we are very different to China. China, although the economy is is uh, fairly open, this is still a totalitarian state run by a communist regime that mm. wants to keep tight control of everything. And that's one of the reasons why they're putting this moratorium. They're very worried that children are spending too much time playing games. They're worried about the content of games. Will this result in a rebellious youth? Will this social discord. And it's very typical communist regime type mentality to it. Because understand, they are unreformed communists. Eh? They still want to keep control of basically everything. And the only reason why they relinquished control over the economies, they had no option. Otherwise, they would have been kicked out of power. Yeah. So they like to control. And this is what it's all about. And they obviously are worried that they haven't been regulating this games industry properly. So one of the things they want to do is somehow tell all the gaming companies that they have to invent systems and methodologies to stop children lower than a certain age spending more than X number of hours playing games. Now, how you do that, I don't know. But, you know, it's very typical of a communist control regime what they're trying to do. 
It's very interesting as well, Wayne, because there's been these extraordinary statistics coming out recently about since the reforms, will the sort of semi-capitalist ideals introduction and over the last 10 years i've put it very clumsily but you know what i mean the freeing up of the economy and i think 80 percent of the chinese population 20 years ago was in extreme poverty now it's gone down to something like one to two percent and people are saying well does that mean the chinese population is freer in fact no it's exactly the opposite in fact they are less free and rules are even stricter now that the chinese population has money that's for another time Uh, wayne on the market itself what do you think now the Santa Claus rally coming up quite soon as December is upon us. Well, look, it'll all be dependent once again on what happens with trade wars. Make no mistake, if trade wars come out, there's a positive resolution to all of this. We'll sit with the rand probably closer 350 to 3, uh, 1350 to 13 against the dollar. We'll sit with our banking shares and all of the South Africa Inc. shares up strongly. Yes. And despite the stronger rand, a lot of our resource shares will also bounce quite nicely. In fact, everything will bounce quite quite frankly if there is a resolution to this trade war. But unfortunately, with President Trump, you know, the biggest danger about President Trump is not necessarily his policies per se. The biggest danger is, is we don't know what he's going to do next. If you know what is going to happen, good or bad, you can plan for it. You can adapt your methodologies, you can do a whole lot of things, but you just simply don't know what is coming next, and that's the danger. I know. I mean, I don't want to go on about Trump too much, but I have to. I can't resist it. The interview that he conducted with the Washington Post just a couple of days ago, which was published in the last 24 hours, where he says the following. I mean, he's got a 1,600-page climate change report in front of him. He's not going to read 1,600 pages because he doesn't have the mental capacity or the concentration to do so, point one. But he says, says, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I've read some of it, and it's fine. And they said, well, do you believe it. It says, no, I don't. And he says in the article, people with a higher intelligence like me sometimes don't believe. That's the first thing. And I sat back and I thought, goodness me. He also said earlier this week that he's been told he looked like Elvis when he was uh, putting Elvis in some uh, in some kind. He gave him some kind of posthumous medal. And he said that he looked like Elvis. And the other thing I'm trying to think what it was today. He, Oh, yeah. Somebody said that one of the reasons that he didn't want Janet Yellen to continue her term as Fed chair was because he was concerned that a, a woman or a human being whatever sex, of five foot three inches wasn't tall enough for such an important job. And he really said that. And I find this quite extraordinary, but at the same time, sickly fascinating. Yeah, no, look, it is. And I think this is one of those almost uh, turning events in American society. You know, the American social structure has been, quite frankly, for many years, becoming more and more liberal, more and more tolerant, more and more involved in world affairs, in their view, for the good, you can argue whether that's right. And there was this obviously massive America, let's call it America first, build up within the voter base. And then you had this unique set of circumstances where you obviously had a very poor Democratic candidate really completely and utterly annoyed so many people, and you had Donald Trump. But now that they've got Donald Trump, I think the the American electorate and the American psyche will swing so massively anti the Donald Trump type of politics that you won't do a second term and you won't get another Donald Trump type 
for another 50 years. You know, sometimes you've got to go through this evolution. It's like you've got to first get right to the rock bottom first before you start pulling yourself out. Yes. And maybe that's like the South African economy. Yeah. Maybe it's like Zuma. You had to go completely and utterly to the worst possible rock bottom before things change and you can get some sort of recovery. And that seems to be very much how, I don't know, the world works or how we work as humans. You know, as long as things are tolerable, you tolerate them. But then eventually it gets to a point where you say, okay, so far and no more. Yeah. And I think that's the point that the American population is at. And we saw the net result of that in the elections a couple of weeks ago, a week or two ago. I mean, the Democrats absolutely killed the Republicans, totally and utterly killed them. And the only reason why the Republicans kept the Senate is there weren't that many seats up for voting. Otherwise, they would have been destroyed in the Senate as well. So I think we've actually, Donald Trump is at the peak of the America first type of thing. And that sentiment and that movement is on the decline and probably significantly so into the future. Yeah. And just another analogy, never mind the South African economy, never mind the US political system. You have to see a share. You think this share is now great value, but it always takes that one last leg down yeah. as the bulls throw in the towel before yeah. you start mopping it up. Wayne, we'll have to leave it there. No, Fascinating chat. Lovely to hear from you again. We'll speak again next Wednesday. That's Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FMB Wealth and Investment.